Growing up in my uh, small town in rural Illinois, I always enjoyed July because July was the month I would go to my cousin's farm and spend two weeks just uh, gallivanting around a farm in rural Illinois. It's a good thing I was a, I was a kid, so imagine my imagination would run wild. Uh, we would, um, I remember we'd, we'd climb up in this, this barn. It's, it's called a crib, not a baby crib. Okay, it's a crib where you would uh, put corn in from the, from the harvest and you'd store it there and dry out when, and they'd bring it to market when the, when the bushel was a little bit higher in price. We have races in the corn. Actually, I didn't realize how dangerous that was because you can, you can drown in, in corn. if uh, It's like quicksand. I didn't, didn't know that, but uh, there we were <laughs> playing around. And one of the things I hated, because I guess this was the... Uh, what I had to do to earn my keep there was walking beans, the bean fields. So it's easy to imagine an acre, maybe two acres. It's hard to imagine like 50 acres and you've got just beans and you get to walk every single row and then with my cousins and pulling up these massive weeds. And there really wasn't any purpose to it other than it made the field look more beautiful to my uncle, who appreciated a weedless field. Now, this parable actually, so reading a commentary on it, that Jesus, you know, this, the, the, this parable that Jesus proposed, it uh, wasn't far from reality at all. It was a common place for an enemy to get revenge upon another by sowing darnel, this, 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 this seed, this weed, which when it was growing looked like wheat among the good seeds. So when they would go in and stickle it up, harvest it up, and it would get mixed in with the wheat, and you'd grind it with the flour, but it was toxic. So you'd really get sick to your stomach. It was, a, it was a really mean to do that. You really had to have a gripe against somebody to do that. So wrong. Um, that's why they would actually have uh, guards at the fields, just making sure no one's going to do something dastardly to, to a field. So much was connected to having a good harvest. It shows as well that the guards of the field, they were sleeping on the job, they failed in their duty. Despite, you could say, you know, so they find out there, there's, there, there, things are growing, there's, there, there are weeds. Everybody's losing their head. They're running around. And they go to the master, all shaken. No, what do we do? What do we do? There's Darnell in here. And we go and just rip it all up. And what's even more surprising is the attitude of the farmer. He is calm, cool, and collect. They are nervous. But he is not. And why is that? Why is he not nervous? Because he does not think, he knows, that the weeds are not superior to the wheat. The wheat will outgrow the weeds. The good is stronger than evil. The wheat has the power to thrive. 
In our age, we can um, sort of have a, kind of a, a reaction to evil when we see it. We're not made for evil. That's why we can we react. But it can trigger us into a reckless compulsion to purge evil prematurely, you could say, because we're trying to keep up with our, our notions. But I think there's something that can help us to cool our jets when we see things. It's that we're all sinners. We are all sinners. And we experience within our nature all the time the weeds and wheat. We experience darkness we experience light. And something that's, I, I, I say this uh, frequently in confession when, uh, to the penitent, because it's true. Sin does not define us. We live in a world where sin defines each one. You are your sin. But that's not true. What is true is that God's mercy defines us. It is God's mercy who claims us as his daughter, as his son. His mercy endures forever. So this farmer knows his crop well. He's not intimidated, as I said, by the darnel. God is not intimidated by our sin. He has already vanquished it on the cross. So in this parable, as well, Jesus is telling us how to be patient. Patient. First and foremost, with ourselves. How often we want to change and it doesn't seem like we change. You know, I go one step forward and there are three steps back. And I go, just, am I ever going to get ahead? You might wonder, well, like even the thought would, why did God just, when he saved us, just make it easy? The journey, it's all about the journey with the Lord. It's the ebb and flow with the Lord. When we make a mistake, he's not putting his hands on his head there in heaven, saying, come on, would you get your act together? He's not saying that. He's just saying, Come to me. I will make you well again. Come. Come into my heart. And the other thing, too, we can grow stronger. This wheat can grow stronger in our souls, the darnel can disappear. How? The Holy Spirit, as St. Paul tells us, the Holy Spirit comes to us in our weakness. But we got to admit, we're weak. If we can just admit that and tell God tonight, tell him at Holy Communion, Jesus, I am weak. I need you. I mean, 
just like wrote. Like, dig deep into your heart. Remember that thing that just is eating at you. Say, Lord, I need you. Come. Enter there. And that's where we're giving him full permission to exercise his grace, to unleash the Holy Spirit in our lives. Psalm 37 tells us so beautifully, commit your life to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will. Coming to Jesus, therefore, is the condition, the condition for finding relief. All we need to do is to choose to enter into the sphere of his presence and all these unnatural pressures borne down upon us from the world and all this anxiety, all this stuff dissipates, disappears. And Jesus, our Savior, lifts us up and brings us his peace.